0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's good to see you tonight. I'm so glad that you are here, and uh, I think we have something worthwhile and something very needy that we need to discuss in light of the time that we live. You know, the Bible says in the last days that men's hearts would fail for fear and uh, I think that fear is not something that we as believers ought to have I think we ought to have faith just what we sing about would you stand with me as we read the Word of God we're in 2nd Timothy Paul is writing to a young minister and it's the first century and I believe that the first century was a little bit tougher than 2020 and we've had a horrible year as far as all the things that's happened but I'm still gonna stand by the first century might have been a little tougher on Christians than 2020. So listen as I read chapter two, second Timothy, verse number one, you therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, look at that last line, and I want you to say it with me. Here we go. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How many of you know hardship is just part of life? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love each and every one of us. Let our ears be open to what you have to say. Let our heart be receptive. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. My brother Steve was a very, very good football player. He was uh, All-State in high school, high school All-American. He was a black belt in karate, and he was recruited to play Division I football in Tulsa. And Steve Largent came down to uh, our house and to the school to recruit him. Now, you may not know who he is, but he is a seven-time Pro Bowl player inducted to the uh, National Football Hall of Fame. He was the first person that had his jersey retired by the Seattle Seahawks, number 80. And uh, whenever somebody like that comes to your house, how many of you know, that's pretty impressive. And, uh, but one of the things that Steve said to me, he said, about the first two or three weeks when you go to college football and they begin their training, it seems like they're trying to run you out of the program the first few days. And what they're trying to do is to see who's going to last and who's not going to last. Who's going to endure this and who's not going to endure this. So it's very intense as you can, you know, just imagine not only physically but also mentally. You know, our military has some of the same things going on. The toughest, um, you know, physical and mental program in the military is the Navy SEALs. And of all the ones who begin Navy SEAL training, 75% never finish. Only about 25% goes through uh, the training to become a Navy SEAL. The second most uh, difficult training, according to what I've studied, is special forces. So both of those are very, very intense. And when you think about that, you begin to reflect back to what Paul is telling Timothy. Now I want you to notice something here that Paul uses about three different things that uh, we're going to get into tonight. But the, the three phrases I want you to catch here is, number one, be strong. You must endure hardship and hardness. And then lastly, he said in these verses, you must be a good soldier. Now, if you take that word, hardness and hardship, it means to undergo affliction and to suffer trouble. Now look with me at verse number four. So we're going to continue to what Paul says to this young minister by the name of Timothy. He says, No one engages in warfare, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops now what he does he gives us three illustrations here I don't know if you caught it And he says these all have a relationship to become spiritually tough so we're going to talk about tonight becoming spiritually tough I believe we live in a time that we as believers have to be spiritually tough because this is not going to get better how many of you know the Bible says in the last days evil things are going to what wax worse and worse but how many of you know we can be better and better So that's what we want to do. And to become better and better, then we have to learn how to cope, we need to learn how to fight, we need to learn how to stand for the things that we stand for. So the first thing he does, he gives us three illustrations, soldier, athlete, farmer. Say that with me, soldier, athlete, farmer. So verse four, let's take the first one, the soldier. The first thing with the soldier, a soldier has to go through a boot camp experience, and I haven't been through that some of you here today. We honor you for your service, but you've been through a boot camp experience I know it's not easy. It is very tough. You have to learn submission You have to learn to give to authority you become physically and mentally challenged through that boot camp experience So why do we have to learn how to become a good soldier? Here's the first thing because we have an enemy We have an enemy and this enemy is out to destroy you, to overcome you, to take your family, to take our country, to take your territory, to possess you, to come against the promises of God, and the Bible says this enemy comes to what kill, steal and destroy. And if you're going to come up against him, you need to be tough. And I need to be tough. We cannot be weak believers, can I hear an amen? Now, a soldier in the military, has weapons, has protective gear, has a commander, an objective, has a, a, a mindset of victory, has to become battle-hardened. So let's flip this back to our spiritual experience in our life in Christ. You and I have to realize that we have weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So every good soldier needs to learn how to use the weapons. We, we heard this morning one of the weapons we have is prayer, fasting. We have to take the word of god we have to put on the armor of god so soldiers have protective gear and so we have to put on that gear to war and fight a good fight soldiers have objectives and we have to have objective we have to have a mentality and a a thought of victory we're we're not out just to go through the motions how many of you know we're going to win this and if you look in the back of your bible we win so we're not we're not fighting just to have a compromise or treaty we're going to win this battle. But you've got to be in the battle to win the battle. And so a lot of people are just watching from the sideline. And we're seeking victory. And the longer you war and the longer you're in the kingdom of God, you should become battle-hardened, which means the things that you know, begin to blow you down at the beginning of this, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years later, you know, as Brother Galen told me years ago, it should be just a light wind to you now because you have become battle-hardened. So he talks about the soldier. Uh, Recently, I was listening to a presentation by Robert F. Smith. You may have never heard of him. He grew up in an African-American neighborhood community. His uh, parents were teachers. And he was one of the first students in the 1960s that was a part of the desegregation movement, where they begin to bus students to different uh, schools to have uh, uh, different people mix from desegregation. And he said, I was one of the kids that was bussed in desegregation. And he said, because of my upbringing and because of you know who we were, he said it's not easy to be a new kid in a school. It's not easy going there with your brother's hand-me-down clothes, yeah. right? And he said, kids can be really cruel but this is what he said that really piqued my interest but he said the things that happened to me as a kid and i was growing up prepared me for the hardness of life later so you know we we can look at it as one thing you know we become victims but we can also look at it that god's preparing me for something bigger now robert f smith he is the founder of uh, vista equity partners and today, according to Forbes magazine, he is worth five billion dollars. I'd say he got prepared pretty good. What, what would you say? Now, when you when you look at this guy, in 2019, Smith received an honorary doctorate degree from Morehead College. He would already received a engineering chemical engineering degree from Cornell University and MBA from Columbia University. So while he's talking to the Morehouse College uh, graduates in 19 uh, 19- Uh, 2019 he accepted that honorary degree as a doctor and he's addressing all of the seniors from that college and while he was there he said let me let me do something for this graduating class he said I'm going to pay all of your student loans off and all the loans your parents have invested in you to get you through school and it was 34 million dollars he paid off every students (laughs) debt at that university as a graduating senior how many of you think they all threw their caps in the air yeah I'd be throwing mine up now that's amazing isn't it but I want to get back to what he said he said I think the adversity and the hardness of my life growing up prepared me for the things I was going to go through in the future now go back to verse number four again and also if anyone competes in athletics He's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, let me just say something here, and this is not very deep. This is the rules. The Word of God is the rules. Your opinion's not the rule. What denominations say is not the rules. What I say is not the rules. This is the Word of God. And I believe the Word of God. And so the Word of God is the rules. Now, he says an athlete has to compete according to the rules. If he does it, he becomes disqualified. So the second illustration that Paul gives us is that of an athlete. And every athlete, if he's going to be successful, he has to be mentally and physically prepared and trained. Now, there's training, there's discipline, there's the right diet that we have to have. And you can tell I look very athletic today. Uh, you'll get that on the way home. So when I was preparing this message, when Paul says... You know like an athlete I, I went to a website that said train like an athlete It's from the daily burn and so I thought okay l- let's just see what it says train like an athlete so this is the first two days that you begin so let me give you day one week one a 15 second sprint a 45 second rest one minute knee tuck jump which you you jump up for one minute and tuck your knees underneath your chin, 20-second sprint, a 40-second bear crawl, one minute of walking lunges, one minute of planks three times with a break in between, that's day one. Now let me tell you, if I did that, there would be no day two. So don't be too holy on me here. But here's day two. This is Tuesday. Squats with heavy hand weights, 12 reps, four sets, a floor press using dumbbells, one-minute dumbbell thrust, one-minute reverse bell, bear crawl, one-minute sprint, one-minute up-and-outs, one-minute plank walks. That, that's the first two days, and it gets worse after that. Now, when, when I uh, kind of got into this a little bit deeper, how many of you remember Michael Phelps, who is the world record gold medal winner in swimming? So, he swims... 50 miles a week. Not walk, not run, not jog. He swims 50 miles per week. He trains for five to six hours per day, six days a week. He lifts weights three days a week. He eats 12,000 calories a day. The recommended diet for a normal person, and none of us here are normal. Um, is 2,000 calories a day. He eats 12,000 calories a day because he burns it up so quickly. And um, then I looked at Tony Gonzalez. He's a football Hall of Famer, former tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, He said he did 200 sit-ups a day, 1,000 jumping ropes a day before he begins his training. Now, that's before he begins the training that would be my training if i could do it and obviously i wouldn't be able to do that now so he says that athlete is going to have to be hard and trained disciplined mentally and physically to compete in the way he wants to compete here's the third illustration that paul gives us look at verse six the hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops so now he uses what the soldier He uses the athlete, and then he uses the farmer. Now, I know a little bit about this because, you know, we raise cattle and we do plant some crops. And the farmer, if he's going to be a good farmer, he has to clear the land. He has to till the soil. There's labor. There's effort involved in sowing and planting and harvesting. He has to endure the hardship of the seasons. There's either not enough rain or there's too much rain dealing with weeds and insects and Uh, feral hogs and everything else because if you're going to do that there's a whole lot of stuff that could keep you at bay and having a good crop or a good life so you have to be patient you have to be persistent you have to be intentional and you have to go through some very very hard work now in verse 7 this is what he says consider what i say and may the lord give you understanding in all these things How many of you know we need to have understanding in all these? We we have to act like a soldier, we have to be like an athlete, we have to be like a farmer. Now this is what he's saying to this young man who's at the church at Ephesus that we believe that later became the pastor, and now he is leading in a very difficult time. Now let me just insert this. I believe if we brought Daniel in today and we brought Paul in today, we could bring several biblical characters in today and we seated them here and we would say you know what paul daniel uh we're having a hard time in 2020 and we'd tell them all of our trouble and maybe they wouldn't say anything but there would be some nonverbal communication going on and we would say things like this uh, well, it was difficult because we had to not meet for a while and uh, we, we have to wear masks and, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have to, you know, rub this stuff on our hands and uh, stuff like that. And I believe after we finished, both of them would go. Well, what do you think? And Daniel, if he stepped up to the platform, he would say, uh, uh, guys, one time they said we couldn't pray. And you know what I did? I went home, went upstairs, threw my window open, and I turned to Jerusalem, and guess what I did? I prayed. And you know what? I didn't have to wear a mask. I didn't have to rub any hand sanitizer on. But they did throw me in a den of lions. So how you doing with that, church? And then Paul, and you can read about it as he wrote it, he said... Uh, well, I know 2020 has been rough for you, but uh, I've been beaten with whips and rods uh, with, with rods, and I, I've been in prison. I, I've been shipwrecked two or three times, and you know, uh, uh, every city that I go to, there's pain and, and, and hardship and persecution. and I was left at dead at Lystra, and I think God raised me from the dead, and uh, the Jews are seeking me to kill me everywhere I go. Uh, uh, how's your 2020 going? So, I'm saying all this not that we can say, well, it's not that bad. I'm saying this, that for us to continue to build the kingdom and do what God's called us to do, we need to have some spiritual toughness in our life. Amen. We have to have some spiritual toughness. So if we had Daniel here, if we had Paul here, and we'd say, well, somebody bull- bullied me on Facebook. they would probably roll their eyes again. Or someone said something about me. Or they didn't like the sermon. Or uh, they, they don't like what we believe or whatever the case may be. You know, we have got to really have some spiritual toughness in our life. And I'd like to tell you it's going to get better, but I think that we're going to have to just become tougher and tougher. We're going to have to get stronger and stronger because the world that we live in is a very tough world. So why do we need spiritually to be tough. And let me just give you a few things. If you have a pencil and paper, write it down. Here's number one because of the world we live in. We need to become spiritually tough because of the very world that we live in. Most of you know uh, this has not been a good year. COVID 19, the recent elections, the economy, and we live in a very sinful, evil world. In John chapter 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is verse 33 These things I've spoken to you. That in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. Now, let's stop there. He didn't say you might have tribulation, He said you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How many of you are glad that He's overcome the world? But you're in the world now you're not of the world, but we're still in the world and jesus said you're going to have some tribulation It kind of goes back to matthew 7 as he finishes what we know as the sermon on the mount He said it's not if the wind blows. It's not if the rain descends It's not if the flood comes he said it's going to come you just better be founded on the rock And if you're on the rock you're going to survive And if you have the peace of god that passes all understanding then you're going to get through a very troubled world and those people who get through that are going to be spiritually tough. You know, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but we don't need any Christian panty waste, right? I mean, we really need some hardened soldiers, some tough athletes, and some farmers that's willing to endure and be patient to see a harvest. And I believe we're going to see one because God has promised us a harvest. But we live in a world that's extremely tough. And the world is (laughs) fallen, And we see a fallen world, and we live in a fallen world. Here's number two. Because of the stand that we've taken in Jesus Christ. Because of the stand that we've taken in Jesus Christ. Now, in John chapter 6, and many of you are familiar with this, Jesus got up and he said some things that obviously people didn't understand. And if they did understand it, they didn't like what he said. Now, he said, your father's ate of the man in the wilderness. And he Begin to say, you know, I am the, man, the, the true man that fell from heaven. I am the bread of life. And he began to say in chapter 6, he said, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. And they begin to say, boy, this is tough. Look at verse 60. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying who can understand it verse 66 from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him they didn't walk with him anymore then jesus said to the 12 do you also want to go away you see the first moment of contention or trouble many people what do they do they just laugh you know i'm not going to follow him i mean this is tough this is hard this is a hard saying well listen if you're going to have a hard saying live in a hard world you better be spiritually hard in the fact that you're tough to get through those very tough times now amos the prophet many of you have read this in the old testament he said the lord is going to stretch a plumb line in israel now not only is there going to be a plumb line stretched in israel i believe there's a plumb line stretched in christianity now what does a plumb line do it gives you the straightness it gives you where you need to be where you need to build, where you need to put the wall, where you need to put the post, how many of you with me? You stretch the plumb line to see where it goes. Now, if you deviate from that plumb line, how many of you know you're off course? You're not constructing it right, you're not at the right place. So, that plumb line that is in the Word of God will differentiate you from other people in the world. Now, let me explain why. Because when you get on that line when you believe what the Word of God says they're going to call you some names how many of you have ever been called names because of what you believed you're a right wing lunatic you are intolerant you're insensitive you are not inclusive you're not caring you're rigid you're archaic you're homophobic you're a Bible thumper you're deplorable Hey, that was said in one of the elections, wasn't it? All of us Bible-thumping believers are deplorables. Holier than thou. Well, listen, if somebody calls you those names, are you going to give up? Are you going to go home, tuck your tail between your legs, and say, well, if they're going to call me names, then I can't go on. Oh, no, we got to be tougher than that, don't we? we, we got to say, listen, I'm just believing the Word of God, so whatever you say to me, whatever you call me, doesn't change what i believe and it's not my opinion but this is what the word of god says do you realize that jesus went through that very same thing Uh, they called him even someone who's possessed with a devil now how can you call the son of god god in the flesh the messiah someone who's possessed with the devil now if they did that to him listen closely they're going to do that to you. Because the servant is not above the master. So Jesus has called a lot of things. He is, he is opposed. And so we have taken a stand. And the stand we've taken in Jesus Christ is not going to be accepted by a lot of the rest of the world. And even some of your relatives. And the people you work with. And even some of your friends and even your immediate family. Because we believe that there are certain things that are sacred life we believe that uh, the Word of God is true we, le- we believe Jesus is real he's not just a historic figure how many of you we, we, we you know that we believe he is the Son of God and he is the Savior Matthew chapter 24 verse 9 then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake So if you confess to be a believer, then you're going to be hated. And are you willing to be spiritually tough enough to be hated for your stand, for the world that you live in that is not believing like you, and to stand for what the Bible says that we should stand for? And why do we need to do that? Because it's what we should do, and to do that, we have to be spiritually tough. Can I hear an amen? Now here's the third thing. The third thing is because of the people we have to deal with. Oh, this, this is fun, isn't it? Because of the people we have to deal with. This is Jude. There's only one chapter, verse 10. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. Have you know, some people talk about things they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beast in these things, they corrupt themselves. So he says the fallen nature of man gives us the indication they talk about things they do not know, but yet they express it out of their own insecurity and their own lack of knowledge. You know, early on, some of the things that uh, people said about the church, and many of you don't know this, some of you do because you were through this process when we um, started down on 2nd Street, we, we were in a horrible little old building. I mean, we, we loved the building because we had one. But it was a little white shotgun building, had no central air, no central heat. Uh, there was one bathroom. Uh, we, we were uh, kind of unisex bathroom way before everybody else was. You just had to lock the door, knock on it, make sure nobody else was in there. We didn't have a men's and women. You know, you just had to say, okay, is, is it clear? Um, so when we started there, um, and Carrie and I pastoring, uh, this is some of the things that was shared uh, about the church. Then, you have to show your checkbook before you can become a member. Has anybody had to show their checkbook before you could become a member here? No. The pastor and his wife keeps all the money. I can guarantee you that wasn't true because there wasn't any money. But but this is what I found out. People will say anything, and they know nothing. So why do you need to be spiritually tough? Because of the people we have to deal with. I've shared this before. We had a lady in our church, and uh, let me just give you a little background. I began to pick up her kids, and uh, he was the president of a a company, and they didn't go to church. I I picked up their, their, their two kids, and they were small and uh because i picked up their kids then the wife the mother began to come and so she attended for a while and then one of the pastors in town that talked to her said were you going to church and uh she told him she's going to church and and because of you know their position in the community this is what he said to her i can't believe that you guys would go to that kind of church i mean you know that hurts that hurts Because when you're trying to do what is right, when you're trying to do the right things, and not only just people in the community, but even other pastors are saying things like that, you better be spiritually tough or you're going to give up. Or that's going to scar your heart and you're going to say, I can't get through that. So we have to be spiritually tough. And, you know, the good news is, is the kids kept coming and the mother kept coming and and then the father came and uh, so good news, right? So we got to baptize them and... uh, uh, the, the young lady is uh, in Oklahoma City she's a doctor the little girl that I picked up and the son's down in southeastern Oklahoma and uh, hey God can have his way even when other people are coming against you so we have to be spiritually tough because of the people we have to deal with Luke six twenty six. woe to you when all men speak well of you so Jesus said if people are speaking well of you everywhere woe to you because if you're not rattling a few cages If you're not upsetting the apple cart with some people, maybe you're not doing or living like you should live. Now, when you you deal with people, you just got to be tough. Because people are tough to deal with. And it's never changed. It won't change in the future. And it's been that way throughout history. Moses had Korah. Does anybody know that story? Uh, Moses had a few people oppose him. And he was chosen by God, wasn't he? He was hand-picked by Almighty God. And if you don't know the Korah story, let me just briefly give it to you. Uh, Moses is the leader. Korah comes along and he says, why are you the leader? I can lead just as good as you. And sometimes when you're the leader, you don't know what to say. And God stepped in, and I found this through 40-something years of ministry. Uh, really, if God doesn't defend you, you can't defend yourself. How many of you believe that? And so the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, I'll take care of this. He said, have all of Korah's group show up at the tabernacle and uh, tell them to bring their staff in hand and we'll see who the leader is. And so Moses tells Korah and that group shows up and uh, all of a sudden the ground opens up, swallows them all up, shuts up, and leadership question's over. Right? Right? Everybody has their opposition. And it makes no difference who you are. Nehemiah had to deal with Tobiah and Sanballat, right? David had Saul. Jesus had the scribes of the Pharisees and Judas. Paul had to deal with Alexander the coppersmith. And Demas has forsaken me. Every great leader and every Christian has somebody that's going to oppose you. That's why you need to be spiritually tough. And don't be surprised or don't be startled that someone pets your fur backwards. Don't be surprised that someone comes against you because that's just what the enemy does. So, what keeps us tough? Four quick things before we finish up tonight. What keeps us tough? Here's number one. A life that has deep roots. A life that has deep roots will keep us tough. Well-rooted, well-anchored, tapped into the water supply, not toppled by every wind and doctrine that comes along, right? So we have to be well-rooted. We have to have deep roots. The Psalms actually starts with this, that you need to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You're tapped into something deeper than anybody else is tapped into. I began to study this this afternoon, I actually did this uh, last week, but I began to just think about what we were going to talk about tonight. So I got on my iPad and I began to look at the storms and how trees survive storms and what makes trees strong. Many of you know back uh, many years ago, there was an experiment, if you will, down in southern Arizona. They built what we call the biodome. And if you get home, go ahead and Google it. It was a huge complex. They had a desert. They had their own sea. uh, They had their own tropical forest. They they had their own, uh, you know, plants that they planted for food. They had animals in there. And the reason was they did this experiment, spent millions and millions and gazillion millions of dollars building this huge facility to see if we could be self-sufficient on a hostile environment like Mars or the moon or somewhere else. And what they found out is the trees grew fast, they grew big and strong, but they would fall over. And the reason they would fall over is because the root system wasn't deep enough and there was no wind. And the wind gave them strength to become the kind of trees they should be. So when I began to look at this and I began to look at Purdue University and the University of Florida and they had a lot of different studies on what caused trees to be strong and the number one thing that caused a tree to be strong was the adverse wind that blew against it. And when the wind would blow against the tree and it would begin to rock the trunk, two things happened. Number one, the roots would fill it. And the roots... As they went out, if it rocked far enough, it would snap the end of the little bitty roots because the tree was moving in the storm or in the wind. And when that little bitty root would snap, it sent a signal that it needed to branch out and have more roots. Isn't that amazing? That the tree would actually send a signal to itself, I've got to have more roots. And the second thing was, That as the tree rocked back and forth that there was something called stress wood that would begin to form in the trunk of the tree and the more the tree was stressed the tree began to say to itself I need to become stronger to survive the storm and let me tell you something when you and I as believers are in the storm that begins to happen to us our roots begin to sink deeper And then we begin to get stronger to survive the storm and the adversity that's going to come against us. How many of you know God is just absolutely amazing? And so if that's true with the tree, then I believe that we as trees planted by the rivers of water, we're doing the same thing. And when the storm comes, my roots just have to sink a little bit deeper. And I have to get a little bit stronger. And as you go through that, and as you experience that, then you get through it. You know, sometimes uh, when you look at your own children, and certainly as the years go by, I look at my grandchildren, and many times when the kids were growing up, they would have something, and they would think it was a huge, huge deal. It was like, this is the biggest deal that I've ever faced. And I'd have to tell Matt and Aaron, calm down, it would be all right. It's going to pass it's all going to be good but you know when you're 12 years old you think i don't know if i'm going to survive and then if you're 60 years old you look at them and say goodness gracious i've been through a thousand things worse than that but if you're 12 it's huge it's huge Oh, I, I, I'm here, and I forgot my paper. And I, 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 hold on. I'll be there in five minutes. I'll bring you paper to school. Everything's going to be okay. It's like the end of the world. Oh, I, you know, I'm here at the locker room, and I'm getting ready to play, and I, I forgot my shoes. Hold on. I'll be there in about 15 minutes. I'll bring you shoes. Everything, the world's not ending today. I of mean, you know, some believers act like they're 12 listen God's in control here a lot of things I don't like a lot of things not happening the way I want but I'll guarantee you just as we heard this morning all things will work together for good it doesn't say all things are good but they can work together for good and so what we need to do is become spiritually aware hardened we need to be tough so we can get through tough times right so a life that has deep roots here's the second thing an abundance of mercy and grace an abundance of mercy and grace eight times when paul mentions mercy and grace or both of them together the word peace appears so many times when he says mercy grace there's this word peace that appears with the words not all the time but many times about eight times so when we think at the of the mercy of god and the peace of god and the grace of god we can kind of connect those together because when things are in a turmoil and things are being shaken and things are you know being turned upside down can we have the peace of god in the middle of those times and the bible says yes may the peace of god that passes all understanding be yours so how do you have that peace of god that passes all understanding you say i don't understand why i have peace but i got it why it's the grace of the mercy of god he's with me and he's for me and he's with you and he's for you and so therefore in the peace of god then i can feel that tranquility that i'm going to make it because we need peace in a very unstable world i think through this year we realize how quickly things can change. You can be going along and everything seems to be going good, then in the matter of a week, everything can be turned upside down. Not only do we live in a very unstable world, listen, as a believer, you live in a very hostile world. Because people don't believe like you believe. The world is not going at the step that we feel like the world should be going. As we heard this morning, we were praying for the persecuted church. Let me tell you, there's a whole host of countries... And people that would love to see Christianity go out the door. Why? Because we have an enemy, we live in a hostile world, and the enemy wants to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And he's blinded the eyes of the world that we live in. Here's the next one. The ability to overcome oversensitive feelings. The ability to overcome oversensitive feelings. How many of you know everybody's got feelings? Feelings. We all have them. But here's the thing. If we're oversensitive and we have oversensitive feelings, we're going to be offended by everything people say. We're going to be offended by everything people say or what they do. And listen, don't wear your feelings on your sleeve because we're going to live in a hostile world that is adverse. Sometimes people offend us and they don't mean it, but sometimes people are very meaningful to offend you. And to say things against you. And to come against you. So we have to realize we can be offended by everything and everyone. And we have to be tender enough to move forward with compassion. But tough enough, tough enough to get through some very tough times. And words and experiences and people. you got to be tender hearted. But you got to have some tough skin, right? So we have to be tender and tough at the same time. We don't want to stay in the state of offense. We don't want to play the victim. I mean, if you know, we're the victors. But if you don't watch it, you'll always be in that victim mentality. And we need to be in the victor mentality, not victim. And here's the last one. We have to abide in love. We have to stay in love. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Peter, we know as the disciple that Jesus really understood that he had a revelation of who he was. Who do men men say that I am? And Peter's the one who said, Thou art the Christ, Thou art the Son of the living God. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then Peter writes, verse 8, And above all these things, above all these things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. The word fervent, in the Greek, it means red hot. If you have a fireplace poker and you leave it in the fire, and I don't know if you've ever done this, and you pull it out and it's just red and glowing, and sometimes it can be white hot, that's the word fervent. So what kind of love should you have and I have? Fervent, red, hot love. And what will it do? It will cover a multitude of sins. Um, we've been doing this series on Sunday mornings, Family Matters. You, you do know marriage can be tough. You do know that raising kids can be tough. You do know that sometimes you'd like to ship them to Alaska and not go. You do realize that they'll break your heart. And the things that happen to them, it feels like it happens to you and it's multiplied and your heart breaks with them. You do realize that sometimes they'll make decisions that you would never make. They go places that you'd never go, and they would do things that you'd never do, but yet you still have what? Fervent love toward them. And so as a parent, you need to have some spiritual toughness, right? So that we can get through those tough times. So love keeps us going. I've said many times, you know, I I wish we'd built this building that when I preach sometimes there would be a trap door under the pulpit and it would just slide me out to my car. I wouldn't have to see anybody, talk to anybody, and, and uh, people are so gracious. Pastor, that was a great sermon. I'm thinking in my mind, no, it wasn't. That was a belly flop for God, but because I love God and I love God's people, I'm going to come back Sunday again. <laughs> I know Waylon feels that way and everybody who's ever ministered feels that way that, you know, I didn't do very good today and and I feel like I want to quit every Monday type thing. But why do you keep showing up? Billy, I tell you why we keep showing up. Because we love God and we love His people and we love the call of God on our life. That's what we do. And and why do you keep coming? And why do you come on Sunday night when most people don't? Um, It's because you love God. I mean, why do we just keep coming back to hear the Word of God? Because you love the Word of God. Why do we keep loving people when sometimes they feel like they're not very lovable? Because we have to have that fervent love. And it covers a multitude of sins. And not only do people offend us, but I'm sure we've offended other people. What do you think? I'm sure we've done things to other people that they feel like we not only have offended them, but even sinned against them. So why do we continue on the relationship? Marriage, kids, uh, parents, parents to children. Because of the love that needs to be abundant in our life. We just keep loving. And that's why Peter said above everything, you've got to have this fervent love because if you don't have this fervent love, you're not going to continue. And you're not going to get through this. I mean, when you're standing there and they're getting ready to crucify you upside down, why don't you say, hey, quit! Because you love Jesus. When they're getting ready to cut your head off and Paul doesn't say stop, I'll denounce my faith, it's because you love Jesus. I read a story, and I should have brought it tonight, I didn't. And it was about a group of Roman soldiers that converted to Christianity. And many of you may have read that story. and uh, They tried to get them to renounce their faith. Those soldiers said you can have our bodies, you can have our dedication. You can have our sword in our hand. We're dedicated to Rome, but we've dedicated ourselves to Christ above all those things. We're, we'll, we'll follow the, the, the emperor. We'll, we'll fight in the wars, but our first commitment is to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what they did. They stripped them of their clothes and they marched them into an icy lake and waited till they died. And this group of soldiers huddled together to get as much warmth as they could for one another and they began to sing about the Lord. And that night they sang and they told them that if you'll just renounce your faith, you can live. And out of that whole group, one finally at the very end left that lake, that frigid frozen lake, right before hypothermia began to kill his body. And he came to the shore renouncing his faith. But yet that one commander who was in charge of that execution, he stripped his clothes and he took his place because of the faith and the toughness that those others had. And in a moment, there was conversion in his heart because he saw the toughness in their heart willing to stand for their faith. And I believe this. I believe if we'll be spiritually tough, committed, if we'll just keep doing what we need to do and, and live the way we know to live, yeah, you're going to have some things that come against you. People are going to call you some names. and There's going to be some things maybe even come from the government that says you can't do this or you can't preach that or you, you can't you know, accomplish this. And, and if the government comes along and says you can't preach the gospel anymore and you can't gather anymore, guess what? We're going to keep gathering we're going to keep preaching the gospel. Why? Because we've got to be spiritually tough, and we've got to keep doing what we know to do. So we're, we're not antagonistic. We're, you know, we're not against anybody. Uh, we want to have that fervent love, but yet still, we want to do what Christ says for us to do. Stand with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Ray of Hope Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.